0: When the film adaptation of Jenny Han's novel To All the Boys I've Loved Before came out in 2018, 30-year-old women absolutely went wild over Peter Kravinsky. When Olivia Rodrigo's album Sour came out in May 2021, adults all over the internet absolutely lost their shit over her teenage girl heartbreak songs, myself included. It seems that no matter how old you are, you'll still have a soft spot for media that's meant teens. Hello, everyone. My name is Nia, and welcome to Not As Young Adult, a podcast where I, an emotionally stunted 21-year-old, try to figure out why YA books, movies, TV shows, etc. are so appealing to people of all ages, even adults. YA, of course, meaning young adult, which... ...in entertainment is just a fancy term for teenager. For this very special pilot episode, I've invited the lovely and beautiful Emma Logs in on to talk about Teen Wolf, Teen TV, and our strange fascination with which teenagers end up with who. A little warning for our listeners, we are going to be talking about Steric, a pairing between an adult man and an underage high school student, Derek and Styles from Teen Wolf, respectively... We acknowledge that there is no way a ship between a minor like Stiles and a creepy adult man like Derek could ever be healthy or good, but you can't talk about Teen Wolf without talking about its fandom, and you can't talk about Teen Wolf fandom without talking about Starek. So with that in mind, we're all going to be talking about these topics through a critical lens. With that being said, let's get into it.
1: Emma, would you mind introducing yourself? My name is Emma. Uh, I'm a media studies major, and I sort of focus on fandom and fan studies. And a fun fact about me is that I have a 75 fan long spreadsheet of Teen Wolf fan fiction. What was the criteria into you know compiling
0: that 75 fan spreadsheet?
1: So it was like 75 fan fictions that when I was putting together, I thought were really good. And in putting it together I read like probably 10 times that number like there's a lot I was I was really into it and at that time I had not and still have not watched the whole of the show but (laughs) I did engage deeply with the fan works was it like fan fiction first or like Mm -hmm. did you like start watching and then get into the fan fiction I just read so many stories long before I saw a single episode of the show, but it really drew me in. And then when I actually got around to the show, it was sort of surprising because the fan fiction scene for Teen Wolf is a lot more thought out. Like the lore is a lot more well thought out in stories than it is in the actual show. Which is a lot more about vibes. Was there anything specific in the fanfiction that you were looking for? I love like magical realism and that sort of thing. And there's like something kind of special about magical realism that's sort of directed at teenagers, I think. Because there's something so fun about like mixing magic with the sorts of priorities and stakes that come with like really small scale um, personal difficulties. And so, like, either a teenage setting or just, like, sort of the genre of, I think, those sort of, like, shows aimed at teenagers tend to focus more on, like, you know, getting your first girlfriend while you're turning into a werewolf, which is, you know, Teen Wolf. Or, you know, just, like, I read fan fictions that were, like, like, he's trying to keep his job at an antique store um, while, like, working as a wizard or something. Um, Stuff like that. It's just really, I like that sort of slice of life mixed with magic. I really like those stories, too. And I always
0: find that, like, a lot of times the magic part can be, like, a really great way to, like, kind of emphasize, like, the horrors of being a teenager. Like, (laughs) kind of like with Buffy, how, like, they use the
1: monsters of the week as, like, a metaphor for, like, Mm -hmm. the various shit that all the teenagers were going through. Werewolves, like, being a werewolf and like, lycanthropy, I think is kind of a perfect way to explore puberty. Yeah, and like coming of age. And, you know, figuring out how to live while your body is changing in ways you're not like used to, and your emotions are everywhere in ways you weren't used to. And so is, it feels very teenager. Um, especially when you're like, not necessarily leaning into like grand violence, you know, just like, the minutiae of what is it like to actually be going through like a werewolf transformation and that sort of thing it's fun and in that way i think it's like kind of perfect how like t- the story
0: of teen wolf season 1 is like scott's first love mm-hmm. with allison because like that's perfect yeah it you know like everyone gets their like you know first like big crush right around the time that they have like mm-hmm. these weird body changes and you know what's a werewolf <laughs> transformation but a weird
1: body change i think I actually really appreciated season one of Teen Wolf a lot more because it was such a, like, personal story. And then once I started bringing, like, more life-threatening, like, not life-threatening, of course, like, the alpha was life-threatening. But, like, once I started trying to make it more about, like, saving the world or whatever, you know, from these, like, deep existential threats that are trying to, like, wipe out the whole, like, humanity or whatever um i feel like that's when it started to like lose me a little but yeah i think having it be so like personal and little i don't know was nice
0: i know that um like you haven't watched like all of teen wolf but i have watched almost all of it i i should have stopped sooner but like i <laughs> one thing that i i felt was that like as the later season was, went on, like, you know, the supernatural plot line, it felt less tied to, like, the teenager stuff, and the teenager mm-hmm. stuff kind of fell out of the way, which kind of, which is kind of sad, because, like, they are teenagers, and, you know, yeah. their lo- their personal lives are interesting. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when people talk about Teen Wolf, they're, like, I feel like they're more interested in, like, you know, who's ending up with who than, like, whether Scott and company save the world. I know that you, you know, interacted with the Teen Wolf fandom a lot,
1: but, like, Were you around the time of, like, the Kill Allison trend going on? No. I was never... So, okay. I was into Teen Wolf around the time Season 5 was airing. And I was never super involved with, like, the actual fandom community. I just observed it deeply from the sidelines. Did you, like, ever hear about it? Not really. Okay. So,
0: like, for you and, like, for um, all of our listeners. So, basically, like... During, I think, the end of season two of Teen Wolf, like, a lot of people were, like, not into Allison, which I understand because, like, after, spoilers again, her mom died, she kind of went into this anti-werewolf rampage. And then, but, like, so by the time the finale started airing, um, a bunch of fans got the hashtag killAllison trending worldwide. And the MTV Teen Wolf Twitter actually, like, acknowledged it and tweeted, killAllison is trending? You guys are mean. And we love you for it. And, like, that happened as, you know... I feel like that's so weird, too. I feel like there's... It's nice to acknowledge fan stuff, but why would you acknowledge fan stuff that is shitting on one of your main characters? Yeah.
1: That feels like... uh, The Teen Wolf social media presence has always been kind of interesting. They, like, will kind of goad on the fans in ways that are maybe not healthy and then not always indulge them properly either um which i think obviously was really present in their like queer baiting stuff that happened in their marketing um but it's funny to see that they were like yeah like let's do misogyny woo yeah i mean
0: like i was just scrolling through the teen wolf twitter like while i was you know looking up stuff writing the outline for this and i was just like kind of like shocked like how like still like Misogynistic it was, or e- even like borderline racist, just because like mm-hmm. I noticed that like you know they were wishing happy birthdays to some actors and not others, which is just like not a big deal, but it's weird that like it's weird you know that they kind of pick and choose that all of like the white male mm-hmm. actors and like you know some token some token like white female actors like got like, you know happy birthday we miss you and stuff. Mm-hmm. To give the MTV Teen Wolf Twitter a little bit of credit. They don't wish every cast member a happy birthday on the dot every single year. Not even Dylan O'Brien, which is like their favorite boy of all time. Their white boy Wednesday, every single Wednesday. Again, though, it's still very strange because like you could scroll back for several years on that account and you would barely know that non-white characters like Kira or Mason or
1: Brayden or whoever... Even existed on the show. Yeah, and I mean, the fandom itself has been very racist and probably sexist as well. I had recently joined a Teen Wolf server that, when I got there, found out it was very steric focused, which is fine because I, before I had watched the show, the fan fictions that I read, just by because of, if you look at what fan fictions exist for Teen Wolf, they're almost all steric. God, they really hate Scott. Like, they hate Scott so much. And they hate Scott in a way where they're also, like, very, very angrily denying the fact that he's a person of color in a way that's absolutely insane. Like, he's not white passing. Um, And they're, like, just going wild with the, you know, with the, like, well, you know, he's not even, like, canonically a person of color, so how are we supposed to know if he's a person of color or not? And I'm, like because his actor is not white like is <laughs> very odd and I don't know it it was I'm trying to think about like if maybe the target demographic of the show or anything like that would affect I don't think it's anything like that I think it's just the nature of fans to be racist uh white fans to be racist I don't know if like Teen Wolf was unique in that aspect but like I, I think Teen Wolf
0: was, like, the first time that I've ever seen such, like, a deep denial that Scott, like, is the hero of the story. Like, he is mm-hmm. the main character. He is, like, the Teen Wolf of Teen Wolf. And it's just, like... Yeah. Like, the entire show, like, sets enough up to be, like, this guy who's just, like, super nice... And, like, wonderful to everyone around him. Like, obviously, the writing failed in some ways. And generally, like, Scott is, like, a pretty good guy. And, like, before getting into Teen Wolf, I'd never seen, like, such racism is, like, so clear.
1: And a complete denial that anyone's engaging in racism. You know, they treat him like Schrodinger's, like, person of color they're like because you're like oh the show's too white they're like well it has a main character like the protagonist is a person of color but if you're like hey you're treating scott like really badly they're like well he's white so it doesn't even it's not even racist yeah it's like
0: okay like with that whole steric thing it almost makes me wonder like you know what would have happened if like dylan o'brien was playing scott and like tyler posey mm-hmm. was playing styles like obviously they're both wonderful in the roles they they were cast in but like you mm-hmm. know like steric like it always yeah. seemed it always seemed to me as like you know pushing like the two hot white guys together <laughs> Just because, like, I I was personally never into Steric because I got into Teen Wolf through reading Stidia fan fiction. Uh, So, like, mm -hmm. my my journey was, like, yours, except it was Stidia fan fiction and Stidia fan videos, which I'm Mm -hmm. slightly embarrassed about. I feel like Stidia is no better than Steric in many ways. (laughs) They're both kind of creepy and weird in different ways. Yeah. I feel like Styles is, like, a creep to, like, 90% of his love interest. Well is
1: yeah that's like the difference is that like Derek is creepy to Styles, and then Styles is creepy to all the women yeah like
0: even Malia
1: who like he like I feel like he respected her more than he
0: did Lydia like there was like Mm -hmm. still the fact that like she was a coyote for like x amount of years
1: I don't know Mm -hmm. like
0: I like I if I was 17 and I knew a pretty 17 year old girl who had spent like half of her
1: life as a coyote I, I would stay away from her like when I try and think of like what is the moral choice to do and then I think about the choices that any character in Teen Wolf like makes ever I'm like okay like I don't know if any anybody in Teen Wolf I'm ever going to agree with like 99% of the things that they do um because they're just <laughs> they're written in ways where it's just like wow like nobody in this town is functional <laughs> at all Like, I feel everyone in this town, like, needs therapy, but I think, like, especially Derek. Derek is so fucked up. I mean, they sort of address it. And he does really creepy, messed up things. And then, like, as soon as you're like, whoa, that's, like, creepy and messed up, then someone does something to him that's, like, nine times creepier and more messed up. Like, he'll be like... You know, he'll, like, break into the locker room to go, like, yell at Jackson, and you're like, whoa, get out of there, and then he gets home, and then, like, the lady who killed his whole family is like, we're going to go, like, tase you as you work out, and you're like, oh, jeez, like, you can only get a chance to tell Derek he sucks, because someone's already, like, tasing him. His life just, like, I feel like it just keeps getting worse, and it's just, like, you know, a comedy of, like, tragedy, um that's sort of where Derek is and
0: what's funny about him is that like even when he was young and everything was happy for him like he still don't get a chance to be normal because there was like this huge flashback episode in season three where he mm-hmm.
1: killed his girlfriend yeah like he had to kill his girlfriend it was like out of compassionate grounds or something right yeah uh, because and that's why he's an omega or he, yeah that's why he has the blue, blue eyes. eyes he's not an omega he has a blue eyes um he's a beta he's an alpha but he's never an omega i'm anti-steric culture but i do read steric fan fiction and there's there's a difference (laughs) i think there is a tendency in stories like teen wolf and like franchises like teen wolf though for there to be just like a ship that's the two hottest white guys that are together and are not just like there but are like absolutely the backbone of the fandom the Uh, popularity of the show online and you know like a juggernaut that they can't completely ignore but also is never gonna happen you know John Locke uh Castiel and Dean Destiel oh my god I can't believe I forgot that one are you forgetting your history I know I'm forgetting my my fandom history I'm so sorry (laughs) Henry Jenkins please do not smite me um henry jenkins the father of modern fan studies sort of um but these sorts of uh you know uh, merlin and arthur in the show merlin etc cetera, etc cetera. uh spock and kirk can't forget those guys you can't like kind of look at a mainstream fandom and not see a ship that is two white guys who are pretty conventionally attractive um that are sort of forming the majority of its appeal to the greater shipping public and fandom public. Um, Which is always, you know, it's interesting to see what kinds of people they'll mash together in order to fit that script. What's always been interesting to me is that, like, Derek, like,
0: his age is debatable, but he's always been, like, a full adult. So, like, Mm -hmm. I understand, like, you know, the appeal of Derek, but I've always wondered, like, you know... Why didn't Styles and Jackson become a thing? Why did people start
1: shipping Styles and Isaac? Like, those are white boys, too. Is a Stysic... I've read some. Yeah. And then I think, because Jackson's, like, with Lydia, they sort of... I know, but, like, people love to ship two boys who are fighting over a girl together. (laughs) Jackson's, like, a hot white dude. So, like, there has to be something about Steric, I guess, that would take off. And I guess it's probably that, like... Derek is creepy and weird, but fundamentally, he's very sympathetic because he is like everybody's poor little meow meow. (laughs) I think that sort of plays into his appeal of being the bad guy in the relationship while still being extremely vulnerable and consistently shown to be like at the mercy of other people, Um, which is not healthy either. I don't think any of it is healthy, but I think probably a lot of people who are, you know, want to incorporate a ship are like into Derek and identify with Styles, and that's probably where it started from. I I definitely see that Styles. I think like very much
0: accidentally became the character that like everyone identified with, yeah, and just because like everyone wants to be like that sarcastic, you know, smart, mm-hmm. um, like always has like a funny quip guy. Like even though like Scott is like very much like the everyman character, like because Mm -hmm. he's like a person of color and because he doesn't get like as many cool lines as Styles does, like I Mm -hmm. I can see why so many people like if they're not Styles want to be
1: Styles. Scott is like I think he's more he's so decent that he becomes like more difficult for certain people to He's on top of being decent, he's also not white. And so then for, like, certain fans, there's, like, kind of that one-two punch of being just, like, not attainably... You know, not not an attainable character. And then also being, you know, not, like, a cute, snarky white guy. I think it makes sense that Styles ends up being the audience insert, because he's also the one... He is... He sort of figures out what Scott's going through before Scott goes through it, which I think is also sort of a weakness of the writing. I know that, like, a lot of people
0: perceive Steric as baiting, And, like, I also know that, like, some people will cry queerbaiting, like, no matter, like, you know, if no matter what the sh- what the context is. So I was wondering, like, in your eyes, like, was Steric actually queerbaiting?
1: Pretty much anybody who isn't coming at it with already the lens of wanting to see it as queer bait would pretty much agree that, like, initially it wasn't even intended to be homoerotic, probably. Um, there's definitely, you know, readings that people have made and that, you know, people could make that, you know, there's some sort of tension that is supposed to be there, but I don't think that it, any of it was intentional. And I think that, like, any tension or homoeroticism or anything that was there was pretty much projected um, or just like a consequence of Dylan O'Brien being a good actor. And, you know, not having, I don't think that Posey or Hecklin are bad actors. I think they just have a different approach to acting. And so Dylan was given more freedom to be kind of uh, expressive And so the people who he would interact with the most, it would probably be perceived as banter and, you know, that sort of thing. People pick up on that. And Scott already had a really compelling and lovely love interest who, like, I love um, Scott and Allison together. I think they're so adorable. And, like, that other than Scott, like, I don't know, Styles interacts with Lydia, who he's creepy to, and then he interacts with, like, Scott's mom, his own dad, which both of those obviously is not going to happen. And then like Derek. Um, And so, you know, sort of logically, that's like the guy, I guess, who he's talking to. Uh, All that being said, in marketing materials and promotional content, absolutely. They began to engage in queerbait once they saw that Steric was kind of this force online. Steric has like pretty consistently and historically been one of the most popular ships I think it's it's always been like below destiel but it's always been sort of neck and neck with like John Locke and those sorts of pairings you know it's like in the Stucky John Locke merther or whatever that's called um sort of that pack of people and so once they started to realize that was a thing they you know were campaigning for things like mtv was campaigning uh, had their best ship um award and obviously for that one there's an infamous video where dylan o'brien and tyler hecklin are embracing each other on an actual boat and are like we're on a ship and then they sort of you know embrace closer and are like if you want to see us be on more ships or whatever vote for us for like best uh teen ship or something like that. It was absolutely brazen. It was undeniably queer bait. And I define queer bait as being like a marketing tactic to apply to, uh, to appeal to queer audiences that could ostensibly be not paid off and not detected by heterosexual people. And if you don't understand what ship means, then that sort of thing is not quite as, uh, blatant but knowing obviously what all these things mean the very intentional verbiage and setting etc and knowing that they're all very online and jeff davis is a gay man like there's no way they didn't know what they were doing and so one has to understand that at a certain point it did become queer bait and a pretty textbook example of it um and then obviously in the actual show they began to pander and especially in when they came back in like episode was the one of the very last episodes. It was in season five B, I think. Um Styles and Derek both come back in the same episode and they're like talking about how they got there. And Styles is like, I was helping Derek and it cuts to like, you know, Derek's like hunched over, sort of like being carried sort of on Styles' shoulder. And then Derek's like, No, that's not how it went. I was holding you. Like I was carrying you and then it cut to like literally him holding styles in like a bridal carry or something and it's very very blatant um and it's so pandery and of course people were like grateful for these scraps or whatever but it was just so cynical um and very much so i think Starek did become queer bait but was not intended to be because like who in their right mind would be like yeah i think our bait and switch antagonist of season one who has no social skills and is being used as like a piece of meat by this like hot woman um yeah he's gonna be the one who is helming a ship with styles this you know our quirky sidekick character not even to mention the age gap which is there's no we have no idea how big the actual age gap is they don't say you can't go by actor ages but you can sort of tell that they're not really supposed to be the same age I think it's a better story if Derek's younger but I can't I can't say that like oh yeah he definitely looks younger he does not he looks like a complete man it is definitely not helped by the fact that like Crystal Reed is older
0: than Tyler Hecklin. like yeah, a lot of like, the a thing.
1: actor a lot of the mm-hmm. adults playing teens were older than Tyler Hecklin. is he supposed to be younger but like there's no way and then their timelines are so fucked up and weird because, like, you can't trust Teen Wolf any one time to be doing math properly. So when they go back in time in the flashback episode and he's however old he is, I think he's like 15 or something, I think. And it has to be at least 10 years ago. I don't trust them to remember that in the first episode they said the hail fire was 10 years ago. Because they've shown that they don't remember specific numbers like that before. So it's like, is this true? Is this the case? Like, how can we trust, you know teen wolf writers who don't have a show bible to remember exactly what time periods everything's happening in you know it's not whatever there's still obviously a power differential and it's very creepy and weird and i don't think that they would have expected it to take off but then it did take off and they had to do some like leveling by the end you know they end up in sort of like this plausible deniability Weird limbo of both of these actors are no longer with the show, but they are here just to be homoerotic. And it's really weird. And I think Teen Wolf didn't handle it well at all. And they did insult the fans quite a bit along the way. Um, they were also like suppressing steric art and stuff
0: too. On the topic of like, you know, not handling it well. Like I mm-hmm. remember reading this theory that like they introduced Cora and Malia just to like kind of satiate Derek fans in a way just like when you look at Cora she's like basically Derek as a teen girl like she has like the exact trauma Mm -hmm. because of course she's a sister and then when when Adelaide Kane left to do Rain because of course like the CW paychecks and the pretty Mm -hmm. dresses why would you choose to do Teen Wolf I think they brought in Shelly Hennig to play Malia and they made her a hail too they made her an aggressive pale person who is also like you know interested in styles they kept doing this thing where they tried twice to distill the steric dynamic mm-hmm. into like an age-appropriate heterosexual Heterous, ship yeah. which is certainly a very
1: strange choice of like doing it twice it's fascinating because i don't think they understood the like lightning in a bottle sort of thing of the specific confluence of circumstances that led people to latch onto this thing and the problem with the ship is that once it's like okay i'm gonna get really annoying and metaphorical here but like once the ship is out of the harbor it is very difficult to either recreate the exact thing or rein it back in like sterk had already taken off it was a fandom phenomenon and once there's already that many fan works created for it it develops a fandom of its own. That's where I came in as a young person reading these stories without having watched the show. I was in the Steric fandom more than I was in the Teen Wolf fandom when I first started out. I hadn't watched the show. I didn't know anything about it. Um, but Steric fans absolutely had an entire space and fandom presence of their own that was almost divorced from the show itself. And so the idea that they could recreate it by introducing just a new character in the show it sounds reasonable if you... Are part of the show and believe that your control of the show's canon should be control over the fandom as a whole, but it sort of belies this deep d- misunderstanding of the way that fandom itself works and transformative fandom works and the way that ownership um, works with the fandom relationship to the source text and fanon and canon. Um, it's interesting, and I think it's really funny that they did it it didn't work then they tried again and it still didn't work and you know at the very end of the show they ended up just sort of having to pander in the way that they originally could have put it on the record that I don't think that canon steric is like good healthy or you know okay but that's my past in the fandom you know I think we all like have those
0: ships that we like kind of know are wrong but like are formative to us (laughs) in a way yeah
1: like I've grown past it, but it's like a part of my past. I was basically Styles' age when I was like into it. I would probably not be into it now, obviously. But yeah, there's something that like kind of just something sucks me in about Teen Wolf specifically and like the genre of YA fiction. But I do hate high school itself. So I'm always in a weird push and pull of like wishing that there was YA genre fiction that did not talk about high school at all. No, like, YA is, like, so interesting because, like, I really do love coming-of-age stories
0: a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, the YA genre is kind of, like, the only place where you do get coming-of-age stories. Like, like, I know that there exists, you know, coming-of-age stories somewhere for, like, 25-year-olds or 30-year-olds. But, like, every YA story is a coming-of-age story. And if you like that mm-hmm. trope, like, that the YA genre is the
1: one where yeah. it's most
0: readily accessible. Actually,
1: we need to set more of them in college. Yeah so
0: many like YA books like need to feature like 25 year olds instead right or at least that's the thing about fan
1: fiction I'll read college AUs and because they're mostly written by college students it doesn't suffer from what some other you know like aging up can be dubious um but a college AU is generally as above board as it could possibly be because it's generally a college student writing their reality so they're doing it in a way that is very fleshed out and natural and i'm like this fits so well into college and i feel like in teen wolf they had what seven seasons they still didn't graduate from high school like no they, they did. could have done college yeah. wolf yeah. they they did but like they were but
0: like so like they graduated high school and then there was like <laughs> this weird time jump so like even though like they technically made everyone graduate like Physically, mm-hmm. Scott was still in his like, in his hometown, helping to coach his yeah. high school lacrosse team. But like, yeah, he like fully like did not mm-hmm. cross the threshold. Like, they still kept him in high
1: school yeah. in a way, even
0: though he was
1: mm-hmm. clearly not a high
0: schooler anymore.
1: Something about like serialized coming of age narratives are like, they never end up coming of age and then being of age. They're like, you know, they're always just having their first breakthrough which i think is funny you know just becoming a werewolf then becoming an alpha and like i don't know they have to be kept in this state of suspended animation in order to serialize their narrative which is always funny to me like glee for example like how long were they in the exact same state of emotional immaturity we also do this thing where like despite going to college they always they kept coming back to the high school mm-hmm. like yeah and i would never do that yeah. i visited my high school maybe one time and it was like to pick up papers oh, yeah i visited my high school once and it was
0: like for like an event like my mm-hmm. like my um ap gov teacher an assignment that she always did for her class was just like write is like make a political version of a. Uh, christmas song and then they would perform it like the day before winter break every year and like students would come back for that like i would only come back Mm. for an event i wouldn't come back just oh i did that
1: we had like a school-wide um game of tug of war and one of the teams for the tug of war would be every alum who was like visiting so i did that yeah
0: but like you know people in people who graduate high schools in like these ya shows they're just coming back just to hang out for no reason and it's so weird
1: God, they all became Derek, huh?
0: <laughs> they really did
1: all become Derek. That's so sad. Truly. Did Derek ever graduate? I, f-
0: I think, I don't know. I feel like he should have feel graduated. You like guys GED, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, like, I'm of the opinion that, like, it would make sense for Derek to be a high school dropout in some capacity. Yeah, me too. I also feel like they should have, I feel like when creating Teen Wolf, they should have made Derek a high school dropout that was the same age as Derek. Scott
1: in style just because it would be like so much less creepy to see him around the team. I just hate seeing this full grown man interacting with these high school kids and like then also interacting with high school kids who also look like full grown men and then it's just like confusing literally physically I am confused about who's supposed to be who and where when they're like you know when Derek is interacting with Jackson and I'm like Jackson, you look like you are just a guy that I see at the gas station. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I get it. I get that Derek is supposed to be creepy. But, like, it's, you know, He's it's not creepy like a, in a different way.
0: Yeah. Like, the, it's, it's not, like, a fun creepy. It's a creepy where I'm, like, this is extremely uncomfortable. Someone please, like, tell an authority about this.
1: Yeah. Like, jeez. Not to, like... I don't know I just I feel like Melissa could have dealt with him and should have dealt with him Scott should have said something yeah
0: now I feel like all teens in like YA shows should like you know talk to their parents more I feel like that would like solve like 90% of their problems
1: like, mm-hmm.
0: but you yeah. know because like well I don't know I guess like parents in like YA shows are always hit or miss
1: but Melissa was a hit she was a hit she was a milf she was incredible Teen Wolf's best character.
0: Before I let Emma go, I'm going to do a little lightning round segment where I ask my lovely guests quick questions tangentially related to the episode just to see if they have any controversial TV show opinions. Emma, are you ready? Yeah. Um, number one, Scallison or Skira? Skira. Okay, good. But I could- love Scallison. I I like both, but like as an Asian I cannot yeah, exactly. I cannot comfortably pick Skallison over Skira also. Exactly. Sk- Skira are are just like super cute. They're so cute. I feel like they did try to replicate the like, you know, Scott falling for a new girl thing with some um, Skira, mm-hmm. but it kinda it worked because like Kira was like fundamentally different from Allison and it was yeah, just like exactly. a super different. If it was another I- like
1: white girl with who is like I don't know, has fantasy bigoted parents. It would be different. But like She's not, so I think yeah. it works. Also, like I I know that we had like a whole bit
0: about how, how like Teen Wolf like diving into the supernatural was like too much, and they should have stuck to the teen stuff. But like her Kitsune mythology was like genuinely interesting, mm-hmm. and I feel like they yeah. should have explored that more instead of like writing Absolutely. Arden off with like no reason.
1: Mm-hmm. Though, have you ever thought about how insane it is that Teen Wolf has a Japanese internment flashback episode? Like that is insane. so messed up. And then they also accidentally fucked up by casting a Korean person to play a Japanese person, then casting a Korean man to play the husband of a Japanese woman, but then the child has a Japanese last name. Which means that, you know, bring this all together, that a Korean man takes a Japanese woman's last name in the 21st century, which is... But not just 21st century, because that woman was alive during World War II. That's a horrible look. And they did not think it through. And if they knew, like, even a little bit about the history of, like, Japanese imperialism and colonialism in Korea, they would not have done that. But they did. And it is absolutely insane to me.
0: Yeah. And there's also this weird thing where, like, you know, I understand that they wanted to do, like, the Kitsune mythology. But there is also a nine-tailed fox in Korean mythology um, too I don't remember the name but like there is also like the the Korean culture they do have like their own form of the nine-tailed fox they could have like done something with that mm-hmm. like incorporating, cor- incorporating
1: Kira's Korean culture I- yeah. in some way and then they just <laughs> didn't they and- just absolutely didn't and then also remembered that Japanese internment happened and had to take a bite of that Hot history. They should not have done that. And then they
0: made Kira's mom fall in love with uh, the soldier oh, at Jesus. the German camp. It Just was it was a mess. Very bad. Yeah. So, okay,
1: that's one speed round. <laughs> Number two, Steric or Skiles? Mm, I think 17-year-old me has to say Steric. Skiles in canon, though, for sure canon
0: Styles is very nice i mean i feel yeah, like
1: they're so cute yeah i feel like of all like the
0: style ships it's probably the healthiest and it maybe it just be it maybe it's just because like i i feel like styles has done scott wrong in some way i just can't remember it right now
1: mm-hmm. i mean like styles does like get scott beat up oh, in the yeah? first season we just watched that with just, the keying the car yeah he truly really does yeah scott god styles why do you keep doing this yeah i guess he was mad at scott for abandoning
0: him. Yeah that's not an excuse, so you don't get your friend no. beat up. Um nope. another question. Chris Argent or Sheriff Stolinsky?
1: <sighs> Sheriff Stolinsky. He's just like a little nicer. He's... I think yeah. If Chris wasn't related to Kate, then I might like think differently. But I despise Kate. I got over thinking that she was a MILF and now I despise her. I know she's not a mother, but She's an she's an aunt. She she has yeah, she a motherly a- role to artist
0: I to Allison. Allison. Yeah. Next on a scale of one to ten, one being she's not my type, to ten being absolute milf. How hot is Melissa McCall? Absolute milf. All right. And last question, and possibly the most important one: Where are you getting your juice? <laughs> my mom does all my grocery shopping. And what a good mom that is. <laughs> well, hopefully one of these opinions will create a fan war that will drive this podcast ratings up. Emma, <laughs> do you have any last words for the audience?
1: Anything you'd like to promote? A Gentleman's Guide to Treason is a uh, a Crown of Candy focused fanzine uh, that focuses on the character Calroy Crawler. And it is coming out in a little under a month, probably. So around July, we haven't set an exact release date yet. We're working very hard on it. Um, But all proceeds are going to Red Canary Song, which is an organization that provides direct aid to Asian American sex workers. And I'm really proud of the work we're doing for it. And it's going to be really cool. The Calzine is awesome. Once it's out, y'all should check it out. And until next
0: episode... I am Nia, signing off and reminding you not to sleep in the ruins of your family's burnt-up home because the local teens will think that you're a serial killer.